the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I'm going to share with you today six things I think will help you in your prayer life because all of us, whether you're a novice in your walk with God, you're just learning how to walk with Him, or maybe you've been what we might call a veteran in your relationship with God, you've been walking with God for an extended period of time, all of us can improve our prayer life. And when we improve our prayer life, we actually improve our lives. So here are six things I'd like to help you to remember today about opening your heart to God in prayer. Number one, you need to know and remember that God invites you to talk to Him and that He wants to talk to you. There's an open invitation from God. He's opened a way for all of us to actually have communication with Him. Now, this is far more of a miracle than you and I realize. Because all of us are born into the world as sinners, and because we're sinners, we can't approach a holy God. In our natural state as sinful human beings, we can't get into the presence of a holy God. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus coming because Jesus came and what he did on the cross for us is he took on the penalty of our sins and gave us the gift of his righteousness so that he's now opened a way for us to have a relationship with the holy God. We could not get there without Jesus. You can't just go to God without Jesus. The only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way we have a relationship with God the Father is by the Son, Jesus Christ. And He has bridged the way so that you can have access to God 24-7, 365 days out of the year for your entire life. You have access to God because of what Jesus did for you when you put your faith in Christ. I am thankful for Jesus today. How about you? Because He made a way for me to have a relationship with God. And all of our relationships, any relationship in life, including our relationship with God, is going to rise and fall on our communication. If we don't communicate well, then we'll never have a good relationship. And we must understand that God wants, invites you to talk to Him, and He wants to talk to you. It's called prayer. I want to give you a few verses that remind us of this open invitation that God has given to us in Jesus Christ to come to Him and to talk to Him and to be prepared for Him to talk to us. Jeremiah 29 verse 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And notice this statement, I will do what? I'll listen to you. God says, you'll come to me, and you'll call on me, and you'll pray. And when you do this, I promise you this part, I will listen to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Don't you love that promise? God says, call to me. That's prayer. And here's my promise. I will answer you, and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. God has extended this open invitation to us. He's saying, I I want to talk to you. I want to spend some time with you. It's an open invitation. And when you and I respond to that invitation, we're blessed every time we respond to it. And by the way, when you do not respond to an invitation of God, what's happening is you're actually refusing God's opportunity for communication. Number two, second thing. Prayer is a relationship experience. It is not a religious duty. 
Many people fail to pray because they think of it more as a duty than as a privilege. They consider it something that has to be done rather than something that I get to do. Very big difference between I've got to do this versus I get to do this. And a lot of Christians, they've fallen into the pattern of thinking that prayer is sort of an obligation that they have to do to make God happy with them. If God's going to love me, I have to pray. And so it becomes a, a list of to-dos in my life. And so one of the other things I must to-do today is I must do prayer because if I don't, God's going to be upset with me. What I want to remind you of today is that God's not upset with you. God's not angry with you if you don't talk to Him. God is just, you're just missing an opportunity to experience relationship with Him. So it's not that you and I earn God's favor by prayer. You never earn God's favor by doing anything. You can't earn the favor of God because the moment you've earned favor, you, you actually are not, it's not favor because what you've done is you've worked for something. And so you never earn the favor of God by doing anything in your life. And so prayer is not a religious duty that you have to do. Prayer is something you get to do. Isn't that great to know? It's a relationship thing. I love what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. So personal, it's so relational. It's an amazing verse how relational this is. Jesus says, look, behold, one translation says, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about your life. He says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I call that relationship. How about you? Okay. It's not a religious duty. It is a relationship. And so when when you're praying and when you're praying effectively, you're actually spending time with Jesus. Number three, the third thing I want you to remember about prayer and that God wants you to remember about prayer is that prayer is therapeutic. The word therapeutic means three basic things. It means it is something that brings healing. It's something that is curative. It is something that is restorative. That when you approach God in prayer, there's healing that happens. There are cures that happen in your life and there's restoration that happens. Now, I want us to go to the natural realm just for a moment because most of us are familiar with the word therapy. And we usually think of that word therapy when it comes to psychological services, psychiatric services, that if you're going through something in your life, you sit down and have a conversation with a therapist. The primary aspect of therapy is you're talking, okay? You're talking about your life. You're talking about what you're going through. So therapy is, is talk, okay? It's talking through things. A good therapist is a therapist that will not try to always give you the answers, but they actually are drawing out of you what's going on with you so that hopefully in that process of conversation and the right questions being asked, that you can actually come to some insight for yourself and that you can actually solve your own problems. It's amazing how many people will spend extensive amounts of time and money talking to a therapist but never talk to God. There's nobody that will ever know you better than God. I don't care how many years you spend in therapy. And again, I'm not against that. If you need that, it's something that's valuable in your life, go after it. It's great. Again, just make sure you don't have someone that's leading you down a pathway that is uh, antithetical to your faith. But let me tell you this. They will never know you like God. God knows you from the inside out. He knows everything about you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows your function, and He knows your dysfunction. He knows every part of your life. And so when you and I pour out our heart to God, it begins to open up the door for inner healing. And it opens up the door where God begins to take take us on a journey toward wholeness and wholesomeness in our lives. Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our, what is He? Our refuge. That word refuge is important because it means a safe place. You can pour your pain out to God because you're always safe with God. 
Psalm 147, verse number 3. He heals the brokenhearted and does what? Binds up their wounds. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, then Jesus said, come to me. Let's approach me. I'm inviting you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I will give you restoration. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest. You will find restorations for your, what's the next word there? Souls. I'll come back to that in a moment. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll give you restoration for your, what was the word I emphasized? Your souls. Let's talk about that just very briefly. The word soul, psyche, where we get our word psychology, where we get our root word for psychiatrist. It's our soul, psyche, the, the inner part of our being, the deepest part of your, your personality. He gives you rest. He gives you restoration where in your soul, down in the depths of your personality, Jesus is able to cure. Prayer is therapeutic. Number four, prayer changes you. Why do we need to take our words to God and to pray well? Because prayer changes things, but also prayer changes you. And sometimes the most important thing that needs to change in your life is not the things around you. The most important thing that needs to change is you. When you meet with God in prayer, you're meeting with truth. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is that not what he said? And so when you meet with Jesus, when you pray, you're meeting with Jesus. And when you pray, you're encountering truth, okay? You encounter truth through his word, and you encounter truth through his presence. And so when you encounter Jesus, you always encounter truth. And truth, you'll never change without truth. That's why the study of God's word is so valuable, because it it reveals truth to you, and, and it liberates you. I think all of us could say today, many of us perhaps here today can say, that we've discovered different truths in the Bible, and we discovered it. Wow, we're free. We found freedom because we discovered a truth. Well, the same as happens when you and I are talking to God, that God shines lights on things in our life that we could see no other way, and He reveals truth to us that you can't argue with. When God calls you stubborn, you're stubborn. When God addresses something in your life, that's what you are. And so when He addresses something, you begin to realize, okay, I can't really argue with that because, you know, He's right, okay? Because in prayer, you can be totally honest with God. You can reflect on who you are before Him. And you can let go of all your defenses because you're safe in His presence. You can approach Him with humility because there's this moment of saying, God, I need you in my life. Let me give you a story about this that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 18. Great story. talks about two men. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He's talking to the religious leaders. Two men went up to the temple to pray. So the story is about two men. The first one is described here, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. So are both of them, where are they? They are in the temple and both of them are going to pray. Okay, so we're about to get an insight about two guys praying. One is a Pharisee, one is a tax collector. The Pharisee was a guy who did all the religious stuff, but he did it externally. He didn't really have a relationship with God, but he followed all the rules, okay? All the religious rules, he got them down. The other was a tax collector, despised because of the way he lived his life. He would extort extort money from people. I don't need to go into all the details, but let me just tell you, he was the guy that was considered in society the scum of the scum, a tax collector. So you've got these two people going to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. So in other words, the Pharisee goes to God in prayer and says, God, you're lucky to have me. 
I am the man. When it comes to doing the stuff, I do it. And you got to be really impressed with me because I got it all together, God. But not one, there's not one single thing in the Pharisee's prayer that is asking for any change in his own life. He has no openness to God. He's approaching God as though everything is right, everything is together in his life. Notice now what happens in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. What a sinner. So now you're seeing a very different picture. The Pharisee does not acknowledge any need for any kind of change in his life. But the tax collector, the sinner, is now acknowledging, God, I need mercy. I need you to do a work in my life. I need you to help me. Now the question becomes, which of these two had the better experience in prayer? Which of these two experienced the change that they needed? Well, we know the, story, the end of that story, but I'll read it for you in verse 14. I tell you that this man, the tax collector he's referring to there rather than the other, went home justified, made right with God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is teaching us all, this whole story is about prayer, is it not? It's about prayer. He said, when you come to prayer and you, you exalt yourself in prayer, nothing's going to change. I'll have to humble you before you can even experience my grace in your life. But if you come to me in prayer with humility, then I'm able to do something in you that raises you to the next level of your journey with me. Number five, fifth thing, prayer changes situations. Not only does prayer change you, but prayer changes things around you. When you pray, heaven invades earth. When you pray... God begins to move and God begins to change things. And through your prayer, you actually are birthing possibilities and fighting spiritual battles that actually brings God's plan to pass. God wants to use you to be an intercessor for others. That word intercessor means someone that prays for other people and prays for other things. Because your life, your prayer life is not sufficient and just praying for yourself, because as you pray for yourself and as God works in you, then he's now equipping you to pray well for other people in other situations. Because our world needs a lot of prayer. Some of you, in fact, I would believe all of us here today are in this room because somebody prayed for you at some point in time. You would have never thought of yourself being at church unless somebody prayed for you. There was a person that prayed you into the kingdom of God. It might have been a grandmother that prayed for you, a granddaddy that prayed for you. It might have been an uncle or an aunt that prayed for you. It might have been a mother or a dad that prayed for you. It might have been a cousin. It might have been a, f- a fellow worker on your job. But somebody prayed for you. You're sitting in that seat this morning because somebody interceded for you. They called on heaven, and heaven came to your earth, okay? Now, God wants to use you to do the very same thing for other people around you. But you've got to be willing to say, I'm going to go to God in prayer. Why? Because prayer changes things. It changes me first, but as it changes me, it also changes things around me. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. Hezekiah is a great story in the book of Ezekiel, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 37. Wish I had time to talk about this, but quickly. There's a man, an Assyrian king by the name of Sennacherib, and Sennacherib was threatening to come down in Jerusalem. And Hezekiah was the king of Jerusalem, the king of Judah, and he was very concerned about this threat of Sennacherib coming in and destroying him. And and Sennacherib was sending all these intimidating, threatening messages to Hezekiah about what he was going to do to Judah. So notice what happens. Here's one of the statements of Sennacherib to the king. So say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given to the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries destroying them completely. And you 
and, you, and will you be delivered? So here's this intimidating message from Sennacherib to Hezekiah. I'm coming in. Don't think your God's going to deliver you. You're in trouble. It's all over. Judah is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem is going to be taken. Notice verse 14 of that same chapter. Hezekiah received the letter. This is the letter from Sennacherib from the messengers and read it. Then he went to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah did what? He prayed to the Lord. So here Sennacherib sends a letter to Hezekiah saying, I'm going to destroy you. Don't think that God's going to deliver you. Look at all the other nations we've destroyed. Hezekiah gets this letter and he reads it says, I got to have God in this situation. Takes the letter, runs to the temple, opens it up, spreads the letter before God and begins to pray. Now, Lord God, verse 20, deliver us from his hand, that's Sennacherib's hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. So now he's crying out to God. Notice what happens in response to his prayer. I'm not reading this entire chapter. I would, I would encourage you to read it all. I can't cover all this today, but notice what happens. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all, there, there were all the dead bodies. What happened was God heard Hezekiah. Hezekiah's prayer, the threat was removed. 185,000 Assyrians were put to death by the angel of the Lord. Why? Because Hezekiah went to the temple and he prayed. Prayer changed things. James 5, 16 through 18. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Here we're told that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person, a person who's in right relationship with God, makes a difference. Elijah give us, gives us that example. Last point today. I want to put a capstone on this entire message. The last thing I want you to remember as you leave today is this prayer is simple. God wants you to become a person of prayer, so he made it simple. It is so simple that a child can pray effectively. Don't ever make light of a child's prayer. Because children, I've seen children pray heaven down to earth, okay? The simple prayers of a child can make a difference. And in fact, God calls us to pray like little children. He calls us to be childlike in our prayer. Prayer is not complex. And I think so many times we get all tied up. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure how to pray. I'm not sure I'm going to do it right. And, you know, do I kneel? Do I stand? Do I hold my mouth a certain way when I pray? What do I do? How, how do I pray the right way? But prayer is simple. Let's just get down to the reality of how simple it is. Not complex. God made prayer very simple. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, Jesus said, when you pray, didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Everybody say simple. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Just go to, the, go to your closet. Go to your place of prayer. Close the door. Talk to your Father. That's all I said. Talk to your Father. The unseen Father, he'll hear what you say. He'll respond. Jesus gave us a pattern for prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. You know it well. In this manner, therefore pray. This is how you're to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Most of us know that as the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to help you today in my last section of my message. I'm going to give you three, actually two uh, acronyms with four words each that can help you to understand how simple prayer is. How many of you today want to learn how to pray more effectively? I do, right? I want to learn how to pray more. So here it is. It's very simple. I'm going to give you an acronym with the word ACTS, A-C-T-S, okay? And this is when you get ready to pray, just remember A-C-T-S, ACTS. Everybody say ACTS, ACTS, okay? You get down to pray, whether you kneel, you sit, whatever you do, remember, A-C-T-S. What does that mean? A, I start by giving God adoration. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So you take just a couple of moments in your prayer and say, God, I just want to take some time and I just want to love on you. I just want to honor you and glorify you and praise you for all that you are. I want to remember who you are, God. I want to get my mind off of my problems. I want to get my mind on you. That's adoration, right? Because when you are dealing with life, you're always thinking about what's going on with your life, but you have to shift gears and go from earth to heaven. So now, God, I'm going to adore you and I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. So I'm spending a few moments of my time just tuning up with heaven. That's called adoration, okay? It's worship. And worship's not just something you do on, on the weekends at church. It's something you need to do every day in your life, right? So it's word, adoration, okay? C, A, C, C stands for confession, okay? Now, God, that I've adored you, I need to get some things right with you. I need to open up my heart and talk to you about what's going on with me, okay? I need to get some things dealt with in my own life. That's that spending time with God where you let God work on you, okay? And confession is being real about your sins, being real about your weaknesses, being real about stuff that's going on in your own life, being real about your own imperfections. Anybody here want to just acknowledge today by the shaking of your hand, you're not perfect yet, right? Amen? Okay? You're not perfect yet, and you need to talk to God about where you're not perfect. You need to help ask for His help and grace in your life. Confess your sins to Him. Open up to God so you spend some time adoring Him. Then you spend some time with confession, opening up your own life to Him. A-C-T-T stands for Thanksgiving. You move into a realm of thanking God. Everybody here, no matter what you're going through in life, you have something to thank God for. And so you move into this gear say, now, God, I've worshipped you. I've spent some time talking about me. Now I just want to take a few moments and thank you for all that you've done. I just want to thank you for these blessings. You begin to articulate how he's blessed you. And then the S, it's a big word. Don't get taken back by it. It's the word supplication, okay? It's a good word because it makes acts, A-C-T-S. So I needed an S word, so there you go, okay? Actually, this, this old acronym doesn't originate with me. It's been used for many years by many Bible teachers, but it's very effective. S, supplication. What does supplication mean? It's when I start praying for other things. I'm praying for my friends, my family. I'm praying for my work situation. I'm praying for things that I'm asking God to come into and work in these uh, supplicating. I'm inviting God to work in other situations of life. So supplication about situations, okay, is another way we might say it. So that's the A-C-T-S. Got it? If you don't like Acts, I'll give you another one. And it's simply pray. P-R-A-Y. P-R-A-Y. Pray. Very similar. P, start with praise. I'm going to spend some time. That's the adoration part in Acts. It's the praise part in P. P-R-A-Y. Pray. I'm going to spend some time praising on our repentance. I'm taking time to let God work in my life, to open up my heart to Him, to turn toward God, to turn away from things I need to turn away from, to invite God's presence to work in me. A, appeal. You're asking God to do certain things. Again, it's the supplication part of the Acts element. And why is yield? That you say, God, I'm yielding to you. I'm going to get up from this place of prayer. I'm not going to take my problems with me. I've now prayed about them. I'm going to leave them with you. 
I'm going to yield myself to you. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, li- I'm yielding myself to whatever you want to do in my life. Whatever you say is right and good, I'm yielding to you. And when you begin to pray this way, how many would you agree with just those two acronyms that I gave you, the acts and the pray? It's all simple, right? Not complex. You can do this. Say it with me. I can do this. Okay. And God wants to take your prayer your prayer life to a new level. You might be right here and God says, I'm going to bump it up to this level. You might be here, God says, I'm going to bump it up to this level. Because as you pray, listen closely, when you get your words right with God, with this I'm going to conclude, when you get your words right with God, it's far more likely that your words with other people will be right. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.